I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, it's another live show. And these are fast becoming like my favourite thing to do each month because we've kind of got a, a really nice little group of people and it's it's totally non-judgy and so not elitist. And, and we just have these little chats for an hour and it's really nice. And we talk about the records that have meant a lot to us and we, we you know, we choose these questions um, as we would if we was uh, interviewing a guest on the, the week-to-week episodes. And it just so happens that this evening's episode um, is about the songs that have soundtracked our year's clubbing. So I'm really interested, and as I say to the guests a lot of the time as well, th- when I say clubbing, it doesn't necessarily have to be that kind of shirt-off, hands-in-the-air, reaching for the stars, or some kind of chrome-addled 90s club dancing to Kenny Thomas it, it can be it can be anything uh, if it's your local indie bar your local dive bar um your rock club whatever it was whatever sort of soundtrack them them years from 18 to whatever um I was gonna say 25 but I thought I'm 50 in three months I'm still in a nightclub every Friday night so um let's just say you know you, you know what I mean the clubbing years and uh and so I'm gonna start uh, with a little track that really, for me, when I first went to a nightclub, this was playing. And can you still hear that? Yeah. 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 And I'm going to whack it on. I love the fact that my camera is locked, so and it's going to be So that was uh, Promised Land by Joe Smooth, and that encapsulates 88, 89 for me. And I'd love to say I was speeding around the M25, finding these illegal rays, but I wasn't, kind of discovered guitars at the same time. But that track, and there's a few tracks from from that era, the Frankie Knuckles stuff that, that just 
cut right across every genre. And I just love that, uh, that, that Promised Land. I think it's amazing. I don't know if you know, but the Style Council uh, released that as a single as well, right towards the kind of end of, uh, end of the Style Council. <clears throat> and it's just, for me, it just sums up that kind of time, that just that how exciting electronic music was then and and how it was literally taking over the planet, certainly taking over, you know, the M25 and, and the areas that were surrounding that. Super exciting. So that that was like my first kind of experience in the nightclub was that come on and I just remember like me and my schoolmates, well, I guess we was maybe 17, um, all just having a, a right good move around uh, on the dance floor to that. So I'm going to throw it out and, uh, and I'm going to start, I'm going to start with you, Brett. Tell me about clubbing. Where was it? Uh, clubbing was Brighton, born and raised. Um, I actually did a quite a bit of DJing um, in Brighton. Uh, most, the biggest one was probably the Zap. I used to do Friday nights in the Zap. Wow. And I mean, that's, that, that's, that's huge, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we used to do the Pussycat Club on a Friday night, and that was fantastic. Um, played with everybody. Um, but Promised Land was, if you're doing the back arts, we had, you had the main arch, you had the back arch, and you'd alternate each week and, and stuff. But the back arch shut at two, and that's when the, the bars were shut. And that was one of probably two or three ones, which was the last track you played at the end when the place went bonkers. Um, yeah, absolutely love this. But it was 98, 99, through to about 2002, yeah, 2004 when I sort of stopped doing it massively. But yeah, writing clubbing scene, uh, big beat boutique, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, been there, done that. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah, you got you got the good stuff down there massively. Um, tell me uh, a little bit about before DJing and just having a night of abandonment and, and dancing. What would have soundtracked that? But uh, probably the first clubs that I went to um, were very much sort of more indie. Um, it was the Pixies, it was the Shaman. It was uh, early, early 90s when I was just sort of doing my A-levels. Um, there was a little club called Sister Rays, which was an absolute hole in, <laughs> right in the middle of Brighton. And we used to end up in there. That was quite good. Um, yeah, early Prodigy, that sort of stuff. But and then we discovered discovered the house clubs, and we were there. At one point, I had a lovely job where I was working from midday through till ten, so I was going clubbing four, five nights a week because I didn't have to get up till midday. It was Love brilliant. It. Um, yeah, met a lot of people, had a lot of good times. Don't remember half of it. It's uh, it's such an interesting time that that eighty eight, eighty nine, just because. You had this, you was just entering into this incredible era of indie music where obviously everything went to Manchester. But then you had, you know, your, your Oakenfolds and your Weatheralls just taking these guitar anthems and making them even more danceable than they already were. And I think that that is what I think really turned me on to... I'm, I guess pre previous to that, I was I was obsessed with your Depeche Mode and Erasures and Nitzerads and all the all the kind of mute record stuff. But I think the guitar stuff, like you, just really got me. But I think when you'd hear them remixes and like really even remixing like 
my bloody Valentine and things like that. It was like, oh my god, this is just incredible, and it and it kind of formed them that sort of it opened the door, I think, to then what happened with the likes of you said the Shaman and and the Prodigy and and I guess early Chemical Brothers um, and stuff like that. It started to really move into that that indie scene, and because I, you know, for me. You know, DJing an indie night, the biggest tune of the night for a good few years would have been Out of Space, and yeah. which is crazy. It's not an indie anthem. It's a, you know, it's an absolute hardcore, you know, electronic banger. But it 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 transcended all genres. Whatever club you went to, you would hear that track. I mean, it's even got the kind of dropout of the reggae in it as well, which is phenomenal. Um. And so, yeah, that's that's in my little mini list that I've sort of uh, put together today as well. That that track you could not move for it, and I guess that's moving forward a little bit into the early nineties. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. You've got other tracks to that time. You've got um, Fox Base Alpha by Saint Etienne. I mean, oh. that everywhere. Scumadella. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even and everyone everyone went to the Orb, which was completely different. But you'd hear it out. Yeah, and you're just like this is not, this is completely out of context. The rest of rest of the night, but people yeah. go mad for it. There was there was clubs like the Whirly Gig and things like that where that you know whatever you call it like ambient music, chill out music, whatever it becomes huge. The all were like absolutely, yeah. like a monster band, weren't they? It was. Uh, yeah, bizarre. And and, and, we'll talk, and, and um, I mentioned before we pressed record that I had a great chat with um, the bass player, Guy Pratt, who grew up and went to boarding school with uh, Alex Peterson from the Orb, is it? Alex Peterson? I believe that's his name, yeah. And uh, and we're in all of their early bands together. So, so the Orb features on that episode uh, as well. But yeah, it was really weird. I remember, I don't know if it was the same for you, but I got the 12-inch of Blue Room and it was like, what the hell is this? And it was like 24 minutes long or something. And it was like, and people would request it in a club. And it's like, how do you play that in a club? Because it's, for me, that's music that I want to put on and lay on my bed and not think about anything. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it weren't saying, it weren't hands, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> read between the lines if you listen to that. Um, but yeah, of course it was, it was stoner music and, and it was very sort of hedonistic and, and, and dreamy. And, yeah, and then when they released Little Fluffy Clouds with that vocals by, oh, God, who does the vocal on Little Fluffy Clouds? Ricky Lee Jones. Um, and, uh, and oh, that that track is r- ridiculous. Uh, yeah. And and you mentioned Screamadelico. It's impossible not to mention that era and, and, and talk about Primal Scream. And and again, we mentioned Weverall earlier. Like so pivotal in 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 the production on that 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 album, which to this day, like every now and again, I will have a, a Screamadelico day where I just listen to that from start to finish. I, I'm not so keen on that sort of the, when they sort of went a bit stones. The kind of the, the is it Give Up and Don't Give In or whatever it was, the, the, the album with Rocks and Jailbird and stuff like that. I kind of, they're, they're bangers, but I kind of like it when they get the electronics in and they, you know, they mess around with stuff like Swastika Eyes and Kill All Hippies and that that for me and, and Screamadelica, that sort of stuff. That I find is Primal Scream when they're at their most interesting. Uh, 
But yeah, right. Steve, tell me about clubbing and what was you listening to? Well, clubbing was a sort of non-entity, really. I couldn't get into it at all. Fucking hated them. Never got into dance music at all. Like, in the late 80s and whatnot, when it sort of started, just all that, the beats and the things, just didn't fucking like it. Didn't get into rap music, didn't get into anything. It was just, I was more of a sort of metal or into metal sort of thing at that sort of time. And then when I went to uni, uh, um, in the 90s, 90, then sort of got into indie music and got into the sort of shoegaze sort of side of it and a lot of that sort of stuff. And one of the folk that I was with, they were doing a club, um, Evo was an indie club, so I started working at that. And he used to sort of have sort of playlists and follow this. So there was certain bits going on and obviously the drugs sort of hit in and when you sort of found ecstasy and getting that, that's when dance music actually became quite good. And you're like, I can see the point in this now. I can see what's good about it. Before that point, it was just rubbish. And the sort of the, the biggest sort of dance one that I was into was the whole leftism thing. I mean, that's gone on into sort of '94 or whatnot that, that came out, and that was a belt rubber album. Um, Space Shanty was the one for me. It's one of these songs that they just keep building and building and building. And then at the end, you still want it to keep going. And it stops. And you're like, oh, fuck's sake, man. Just keep going, keep going. <laughs> and the playlist, when I was working at the club, the playlist that he used to sort of play when it was coming up, it always used to be Rock and Roll Star by Oasis. That's the one that's the most sort of thing, you know, the walls are breathing, everything's going right. And then for the come down would be... Um, fallen by one dove, oh. just sort of chilling, relaxed, and sort of going. And that was more, was more the sort of slower sort of dance electronic sort of stuff that I sort of getting and stuff like that. That was more in the sort of shoegazy sort of side. I think um, the left field stuff, like was was and that album, like was was, was ridiculous. I remember hearing. Uh, I think the first thing I heard was um, original with uh, Tony Halliday on it, and I, I was obsessed with Curve anyway. And and, and I was. I, we was all in love with Tony Halliday. We was all in love with Tony Halliday, and shout yeah. out Fox Base Alpha, Sarah Cracknell as well. They they were your two indie darlings of the early nineties. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and then to hear her on that, and then obviously. Leiden as well on Open Up is fucking insane. What a record that is. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's a great shout. Where was the, where, where was uni? Where was the club? Edinburgh. Right. Okay, okay. Is it, yeah, because uh, I had, um, speaking of bands that were sort of crossing over at that point, I had, um, I had Jess from Utah Saints on a couple of years ago, and, and I think they run regular and run regular club nights in Edinburgh for a good 15, 20 years. I can't even remember what their night was called. Um, but, uh, but again, it was like, shout them out, because the first time you heard, like, um, what can you do for me, like, with that Kate Bush sample on, was unbelievable. And, uh, no, something something good was something a Kate good. Bush sample, wasn't it? And what can you do for me was, oh, I can't think who that was. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm losing your way. Right, okay. Um, Kirst, what you got? Um, so, 
my song is not really of my generation, but the club that I used to go to in Newcastle, and Adrian, you might know it, um, was a club called World Headquarters, which um, its whole ethos was about like multiculturalism and like everybody coming together and like no matter what background you were from things. And it was a guy called Tom who ran it. And um, he... I reckon that that weird noise is Lauren Norrington, who hasn't put her camera on, yeah, has got her microphone on. <laughs> um, but Tom was a black guy in the 80s who bought and owned a club in Newcastle, which, you know, was a pretty big thing. And, um, you know, there was a lot of, well, Newcastle's, you know, it's a better city now, but of course there was a lot of racism at the time and things. So it was a big deal for him to own this club. And he wanted to bring different music to the Newcastle scene as well. So like there was loads of soul songs getting played, like Public Enemy, all this sort of stuff all round in the one DJ set. And and you could sort of orchestrate your own night as well. So he would hold up records and be like, right, do you want this one or this one and stuff? And it was great. And But so the song that I um, have chosen is um, Stevie Wonder's Seduke because it was just constantly played. Um, and, you know, whenever we were in the toilets or gassing away or whatever, if that song came on, we were straight on the dance floor and stuff. And um, but yeah, like that club, like was just I mean, I mean, it's still there and it's still great. Um, don't get me wrong. Like there's obviously a lot of ropey clubs in Newcastle as well. There's the boat. I don't know if anyone's heard of the boat where literally it was a boat <laughs> on the River Tyne. Yeah. And it had a revolving dance floor. I've got no idea who thought that would be a wise decision. Um, but yeah, World Headquarters is, is a good club and it's great. Have you ever been, Adrian? I haven't. I know I know about it, but I haven't been. Yeah. I've unfortunately been on the boat though. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once. It was always, every time I went to Newcastle, it was always kind of work days and I was not. Right, yeah, myself. yeah, yeah. Down the big market and all that. Baja. The, the, oh, Baja God, Baja. Baja. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Awful. <laughs> I only have one clubbing experience, and that was at Tiger Tiger in Newcastle. So and, bad. Yeah. I don't know why you went there, honestly. Well, I, I, the, I was with Jay from the Inbetweens who'd been booked to DJ, and so I was just literally standing next to him, and he got glassed off stage. They were literally launching oh, glasses at him. And I remember sort of having this conversation with a promoter. He's going, no, they're all right. Go on, get back out there. And I'm like, well, you go out there first. And then we'll follow you out. He's like, no, I ain't going out there. I was like, no, nor are we. So it wasn't the best the best introduction to uh, to clubbing in Newcastle. But I was way too old to be clubbing anyway. But, uh, but I can I tell just... you, World Headquarters is definitely different. I mean, World Headquarters is like, it's got murals of David Attenborough on the wall and Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X and all this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, lots of different people and stuff. So it's it's a very nice, safe club. Love it, love it. Anyone who's played Stevie Wonder and Public Enemy, yeah, yeah, get me a ticket. I'm uh, I'm on board. Well, um, let's stay up that neck of the woods then. Adrian, what you got? Um, well, it was a Q Club for me in Sunderland. I'm Sunderland, so I used to go there. It was always pub Ivy House and then Q Club afterwards. And that was it. That was, that was all we did. Um, and, I mean, it was all, it was, a, a good, again, an indie, indie nightclub, but bit of dance. had a dance floor as well, but had kind of two two levels, but we always stayed on the indie floor pretty much. But there was a good, I mean, it's still had things that you had your Grooving Heart, Daylight. I always remember that being on there. Um, but the one that 
sticks out for me was obviously was killing the name of because that's when I started clubbing. That was on, and that was just like a call of arms on the dance floor. And it was just like when that came on, it's just just mayhem, but in a good way. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's mad when you when uh, just to double check, I heard you right. You said daylight, right? Yeah, daylight was on. That was on. That we used to have that on. But then I'm saying, but for me, the it was killing the name of Rage Against the Machine yeah. was the one. That, yeah, so but daylight groove in the heart was always on as well. I always remember the kind of good good mix of dance. Yeah, that it's a good period of mix of dancey kind of tunes. Like you said, it was that, that kind of same era, same era screamed yeah. and you had a good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Indie mix, a good dance mix. It was dance Absolutely. indie. Absolutely. That's, I mean, you, you mentioned two records there, Adrian. That, and, and what's interesting is the amount of people that are talking about going to their, their local indie club. They don't exist anymore. Obviously, I, I, I've got one. Uh-huh. But apart from that, you'd go to any town and there'd be an indie night, you know, or there'd be multiple indie nights and they do not exist anymore. And you want to have a night out in London, you and I've got to go look long and hard to find an indie night. Like, it just doesn't, it'd be, you either get some kind of retrospective night playing, I guess, a lot of the indie that a lot of us grew up listening to. And yeah, the, the, the days of there being these, you know, great big huge indie like anthem nights everywhere they 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 don't seem to exist and i think that's a real shame but as somebody that still dj's in one every weekend i can play rage against the machine killing in the name and i do every friday and it sounds like it come out this week and it still gets the same fucking raucous energy and madness that it got when I first heard it at the Gas Club in Leicester Square in 1991 or whatever. There's an energy to that record and a production to that record where it still just sounds off the fucking chart. It's, I mean, a, a Court of Arms is what you said, and yeah, is there a song that's a bigger Court of Arms than that? I don't think so. I'll struggle a thing of one. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and whilst I was uh, in a Vic and Bob style way, rubbing my thighs over Sarah Cracknell and 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 Tony Halliday, let's shout out Lady Miss Keir as well from uh, from Daylight. Oh my god, oh. ridiculous! <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of women walking around in like all in one lycra jumpsuits uh, uh, after that video come out, and uh, I, for one, as a as a, a sort of seventeen year old lad, was applauding that. Um, yeah, what a, what a record Groovies in the heart is. Either of those records, you can still play like uh, out loud, and people still lose their shit to both of them. That Groovies in the heart. I mean, it's such a shame that D like fell a little short after that. It was like, I think they had such a global smash with like that, that debut single. How do you follow that? If you've played your Trump card right from the off, like it just, it just, you know, as far as commercial success goes, they just could not follow it. And, ah, but what a, what a track to have in your back pocket. If you wrote Groovies in the R, fucking hell, what a record. Okay. Paul, what you got? Uh, well, it's a long time since I've been clubbing um, because I'm 55 now. But um, when I was doing, there was a bit of a, there was quite a sort of um, change in eras. It just in the time that I was clubbing, sort of 17 to 30 sort of thing. Um, so first of all, um, in Belfast, I don't live there anymore. But when I was in Belfast, um, uh, remember a couple of years ago, you had you had uh, Andy Kearns from Therapy on, yeah, on the podcast, and he mentioned some clubs that he used to go to. And it was like, oh my god, that's the places I used to go to as well. <laughs> so there's these clubs that were just, they were kind of like um, you could bring your own drink to them, um, and it was sort of like a private members club. But you didn't really have to be a member to get in. Um, so it was sort of like the youth club, but better, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was all the tribes were there. So you had basically all your sort of psychobillies, your goths, your hairdressers, you know, all, all the trendy people there. and the, the sort of things you'd have on the dance floor, it was just like an education altogether. You'd have like uh, 60s stuff like the monkeys in the doors. Yeah. You'd have um, some sort of high energy stuff like Divine, that kind of, you know, gay disco sort of thing as it was called then. And then you'd have um, uh, Chaka Khan or Shannon, you know, that kind of thing, sort of just before House started sort of thing. Um, and then you'd have stuff like James Brown, yeah, so it was just amazing. And then you'd have like you know, Destination Zululand by you know King Kurt coming on yeah. for the. For, so it was it was just yeah incredible. Um, Sisters of Mercy, the Cult, She Sells Sanctuary. You know that was all in there. But then um, when I moved, I moved to Manchester, sort of ninety one. Can I, I didn't just really know say, anybody. Paul? Right? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Everything that you've just said there. Right, yeah. everything that you listed, that was my first experience of going as a clubber to the Pink Toothbrush. Brilliant, brilliant. Divine yeah. had just played live there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it was the Doors, it was James Brown, it was the Cult. Southern Death Cult had recently played the, the, the Toothbrush as well. And, like, it was every every little thing. And massive on that scene, we used to get all the scooters out the front with all the scooter rats, and there would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Meteors, King Kurt, all of that every week. And it was like, a mental mix of people. That's why I fell in love with that place. As you was listening, everything on there, I was like, yep, 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 yep. That was what attracted me to... It's fantastic. Uh, well, a lot of those yeah. a lot of those tribes that were around then, that yeah. most of those lads or uh, girls or whatever, they ended up being the Acid House kids. Yeah. yeah. You know, three years later, when, when, that, when that all kicked off, they forgot all their sort of stuff that they were into before that and just got into the acid house scene. Um, but the second sort of era of clubbing was 
sort of when I, when I, I moved to Manchester, uh, 91, um, and I didn't really know many people there. So I used to go down and see my mates in London. Um, and um, my my friend Chris, um, he, he, he lived in sort of Dollis Hill near Wembley sort of thing, but he worked down near where the Guardian was, sort of Clerkenwell, um, Farringdon, down that way. And there was this pub that had like a, a little club above it, and it was called The Surprise. I don't know whether anybody would ever know it. Um, it's still there. We, we've actually found out where it is now. Um, and the soundtrack of that was um, uh, Happy Mondays, WFL, uh, oh. the Vince Clark remix. Got and to it was be just the Vince like, remix. Oh, like for me at the time, when I first heard that and I thought and heard Vince Clark, it's like at the time Vince was kind of, I, I like Yazoo and they did Erasure and I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike Erasure, but they just weren't my thing. Mm. And then I was, I heard that track and I went, oh my God, I cannot believe he's done that. Yeah. It's just incredible. And it's just basically like two notes on the bass yeah. <laughs> through the whole thing. But it's, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. It was a so weird that, time. That, yeah. Because at that yeah. point, Erasure were probably one of the, if not the biggest band in the UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, They're massive, weren't they? Like number one album after number one album. And and I, I see them at Milton Keynes Bowl in 90. And what was, when was wrote for that? 89, 90? 89, I think. 89, 90, yeah, yeah. And like, and that was a real curveball that that Vince Clark, who was writing these amazing pop songs, has just took this, you know, this awkward record and made it so danceable. And yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. what a incredible. record! Like, a... I always think I've always thought Vince was cool anyway, but he went massively up in my estimation after after I heard that. You know, Absolutely, he's, he's still up there. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to uh, see if I can find. Uh, vote for luck and see if we can squeeze a little bit in. Uh, well, you're fading away there. Uh, right, okay. Put it on there. Let's have a look. Oh, well, doesn't look like he wants to play. Uh, what's going on? Oh. oh, never mind. Okay, right. Well, that ain't going to happen. Uh, Okay, right. Um, Kevin Thompson, what you got, mate? So it's about to take a while because I never stopped going clubbing. I'm still going clubbing now. Um, so all you people that say you're too old, you're never too old. I started, yourself, mate. I know. Well, yes, I, I, I started in the same way as a lot of you, and and what you were just talking about, Stuart. I started going to an indie club when I was about 16 with my with my fake ID in Croydon called the Stairway, which is just by the pub. Um, and it was all that was all Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Metallica, all that sort of stuff, Black Crows, whatever. And that was great. Then when I got to about eighteen, my other mates started going to jungle raves, so I got massively into the jungle scene. Going to um, Storia, um, Equinox, um, a place called the Laser Drome in Peckham every Saturday night, and that was that was good fun for a couple of years. And then Garage started to creep in. I didn't like Garage, so I got into House. Uh, or house and garage as it was kind of called back then um and that's when i started going to ibiza um so i was going to ibiza pretty much every year i'm going to ibiza in a few months time again this year and then i stopped for a while so i was into house got into hard house for a while whilst i was in ibiza went to sunday central at the q club in birmingham one for some ibiza reunion then after my son was born i kind of stopped for a while and I tried to do some adulting, and I realised that didn't suit me whatsoever. So I started going out again. 
Um, and I, I still go out to some of the, 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 the new stuff. I quite like um, like the, the new kind of quite um, bouncy and bassy tech house that you have these days. Um, and also some of the melodic techno. I'm not really into the really fast techno, but a lot of the melodic techno. But there's a massive kind of revival scene um, for house in that. So all the people on this call um, of that sort of age group, like things like Clockwork Orange, um, are running nights where, I mean, you know, because I think you were going to go to Clockstock a couple of years ago. I don't think you made it in the end. But they're from around your manor. Yeah. And they're, they're, they play all the all the old stuff, but it's also mixed in with a lot of remixes of the old stuff and a, a lot of new stuff and everything in between. So it's, it's not as tragic as it, it sounds. It's just people just having it like they did back in the 90s. It's fantastic. And interestingly, yeah. Rat Pack have just done a remix of Promised Land. Um, I don't know if I couldn't find it on Spotify. It's called Brothers Sisters rather than Promised Land. Right. Um, but there's loads of stuff like that, loads <laughs> of this sort of really old stuff. Um, that's been remixed and, and and when I was sort of thinking about my where I didn't even have to think about it because it's one of those things that you think in 20 years time if someone asked me what's my track that I would pick above all others I used to know this answer before you know before I even knew anything about you Stu or off the beaten track and it's not what I picked today but at the time Energy 52 Cafe Del Mar is the tune for me that that just just summarized that that sort of 95 to 2005 area of my life. And Brett does not like that choice at all. <laughs> What's your issue with that, Brett? My issue with, and this is a top five I think you should do on the other podcast, is top five tunes that are really good, but you've heard them so many times, you never want to hear them again. Yeah. hundred oh, percent. That's what I say. So I wouldn't choose it now. Yeah, I, I made this. I made this decision about fifteen, twenty years ago, waiting for Stu to ask the question. Probably three or four nights a week, every night you were playing that at least once. So just like, I don't want to hear this record again, ever. It goes on a bit, doesn't it? People keep asking for it. No, please don't ever, ever again. Stu, I'll do a top five tunes I never want to hear again. Oh, I've got, I've got a good five. Uh, of them and, it, and do you know what's really interesting is like if you do consciously go like as I did about 15 years ago I'm never going to play There She Goes by the Lars in the club again um, or No Rain by Blind Melon um, and then 10 years later you hear it can you hear me are we good yeah and then 10 years later yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. You, you put it on and it's like do you know what I've just realised I've realised that I've been doing this whole thing on Wi-Fi without my internet plugged in. There we go. I'll be brand new now. Um, right. I should be good now. I've got proper Wi-Fi now. Oh, for fuck's sake, now I've got Max Edrum. Right. There we go. There we go. Can you all hear me all right? Oh no! What is going yeah, on? Yeah. Are we good? Get back. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Wonderful. I've literally been um, doing this whole thing off of Wi-Fi when there's no Wi-Fi down here. So I don't know how I've managed to have uh, got this far. But I've, I've plugged in there, so we're uh, we're good. Um, but I, I was moaning about the fact that um. I'd, I'd play like Blind Melon or There She Goes by the Lars and, and I just avoided it for about 15 years. And now when I hear them, it's bloody lovely. 
Like, you just realise why I play this often, because they're such good songs. But, yeah, same with One of Die's You and Me song. I think it's one of the greatest pop records ever made, but I couldn't listen to it for about 10 years because I just absolutely rinsed it. But, uh, all right, well, look, let's, let's, um, have we done, we've done everyone now, haven't we? Right, so let's, let's sort of throw in some songs. Let's, let's lay the foundations because perhaps we'll do a, a hard list in top five songs that, uh, we never want to hear again. Um, <laughs> what would be, let, let, let's all throw a few in. Um, Kursk or New Start? No, 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 go to someone else. I can't all think. Right. All right. Uh, okay, well, uh, we'll, we'll go to um, the angry guy in the EMF t-shirt. What what you got, mate? Oh, a good one. Um, do you know what? French Chris by Little Louie. Oh, fuck off, Brett. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I literally that... listened to that yesterday. That was my running song yesterday. Is that the one you, is that your choice or is that the one you want to put in the ones you never want to hear again? No, I love it. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, a... I, thought you was, I thought you was putting it in the bin. No, 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 no don't ever say that. No. Um, ones I never want to hear again, apart from Energy 52, Cafe Del Mar, there was a period when Stardust, um, I couldn't listen to it. I heard it so many times um, because it... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It was the tune of 99, 2000, and it was on radio, TV, adverts, everything. And just like, just leave it alone. Yeah, uh, do you know what? That's a good shout, that one. Has anyone, is anyone going to contest that getting put in the bin for a bit? No, I'd put it in the bin completely uh, and then like it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Aidy, what you got? Oh, I'm trying to rack my brains. What, what, I've what, got one now. I've got one. Right. It is quite a newish song, I guess, but there was this year when this song came out and it haunted me. Every time I turned on the TV, it was on. Every time I turned the radio on, it was it was playing. And it's that, and I'm sure he's a nice guy, but that George Ezra, that shotgun song, 
I fucking can't stand it. I'll be riding shotgun underneath the Hudson. It was like peak Radio 2 listenership. Now, I like a little bit Radio 2. I like a bit of Ken Bruce Pop, you know, Pop Masters and stuff. But that song, it was just nothing about it. But, it's, but every time I turn on the fucking TV, he was there with his stupid guitar singing that song. Better than Blame It Me. <laughs> I hate that one even more. <laughs> I, I will say that I made that my alarm ringtone. So literally every morning I was like, fuck off. And yeah. I was out of bed like a fucking rocket. Yeah. That song, I fucking hate that song. And I really have a problem with his voice. Like, yeah. yeah. That said, if he wants to come on a podcast, he's very welcome. <laughs> uh, he's very popular. He um, must have like the biggest PR company because he's everywhere. Like even yeah. at the moment, I keep on seeing some bloody documentary that he's just done or something like He's just, I don't know who, who his PR company are, but they're on Well, you said, you said Radio 2, and, it, and and that's that's what it is. Look at Ed Sheeran, look at Lewis Capaldi. Yes, Lewis yeah. Capaldi's hilarious, and he's brilliant value, but his songs are quite wet, and it's yeah. not like you're going to put it on and your mum and dad are going to go, oh, my God, turn this off. It's awful, it's scary. It's like your mum and dad are going to like it. It's it's just a bit wet, and I think that was when you get yeah. that, when you cross that market where, like, you, you hit wide sort of mainstream appeal. I mean, who's buying a ticket to go and see George Ezra in a concert? <sighs> I mean, who? A lot well, of I people. went to Latitude in 2011, uh, 2019. It was headlining there. And me and my boy went to watch some random little Australian electronica band in one tiny tent. And, and I guarantee you had a better time. Yeah, we did, 100%. But we were the only ones there because everyone was watching George Ezra. And uh, do you know, I, I might upset you here, Kirsten, and, and possibly Adrian, but... I put Sam Fender in the same in the same bracket. No, 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 you're wrong. You're <laughs> wrong. He's he's great. I mean, you were talking about it on your drunk cast, except the song Seventeen, like it's a fucking great song and it's actually really emotional. I was, I was listening to that on the way to golf on Sunday morning at half six in the morning, and I thought, right, I'm gonna give it a go. It was his biggest song, it's a like most 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 downloaded. So I put it on and I was like fucking nothing it's just a nothing boring Are you joking me? Song. it's about being skint when you're 17 about your man being on the door and you know just being a bloody number to the dwp and all that sort of stuff and he's sitting there as a young guy going how the fuck am i going to get some money for my family i will defend something so <laughs> i don't really so i don't really I'll tell you what kev like you you're starting this fender right and i want to know <laughs> what i mean he's, he's he's pretty you know he's he's I think he's got a bit of Springsteen about the way he writes, and I like that. But I don't like that. I don't like Bruce Springsteen either. I, I find I it all a bit me, middle of the road. If you want something a little bit angry, like you've also got to pick the setting as to when you chose to listen to it. You probably just stopped in Waitrose to grab your couscous because you was on the way to play <laughs> fucking golf. Fuck's oh, sake, Kev. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't really hear lyrics. I just listen to the tune and the, and the and the music and the song. So I can't. I don't get the depth from the lyrics. I don't really hear lyrics in songs. So yeah. to me, it just it just it, there's so many of them that one man and a guitar kind of thing going on at the moment. Like you mentioned a lot of them just now, and I think he's, he's in the same bracket. It's not, not. It's not. It's not breaking any boundaries, is it? I don't think he's breaking boundaries, but no. I I thought. Because I hadn't, I missed Sam Fender for ages until that seventeen going under come out, and I presumed he was a Lewis Capaldi or an Ed Sheeran, and I did just think that's what he was. And then I heard this song, 
And I'm on the radio, and I was like, fucking hell, this is great. Who's this? And it was like, oh, this is Sam Fender. Oh, I don't like Sam Fender. He's like, <laughs> he's like middle of the road. And and I just got it completely wrong. And that 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 record, that last album, I think's pretty spot on. I really do. Uh, uh, so right. that's the same about the 1975 after what you said, Stuart. I listened to that, and I, I think that's the same. Oh, really? I can't get into, I can't get into that either. I, re- I, I think that... Um, I think they're quite interesting. I think like everything they do is completely different from what they've done before. Yeah. And like, yet yeah, they've still got huge mainstream sort of pop success as well. I think that's quite a, a weird, weird way to sort of exist. Um, he seems like a bit of a knob, but uh, like, yeah, I think like, I think the track like sex by them and give yourself a try. Love it. If we made it, I, I think they're like, absolute crackers like really really interesting sounding as well but uh but they're a very divisive band aren't they people love or hate the 1975 um but yeah i'm i'm on board right paul what are you putting in the bin mate i find it very difficult to put them in the bin some things go in the bin for a while you can pull it back out a little later yeah well there's been a few like things like dancing queen or even blue monday they sometimes go on go in the bin for a while but i pick them back again and say all's forgiven you know because just sometimes you just don't hear them too much um in terms of anything that i just want to permanently put in the bin um i saw a band quite recently who are really really popular at the moment they're called black midi and i just could not get into it at all it's just it was kind of like free jazz um too clever Yeah, yeah it was just it was just too clever, too many different time signatures or whatever. So for me, the, like I'm very easy going with music, and I love any new music mostly that I hear. But them, I just couldn't get into it at all. Yeah, but, I, um, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just, I just think it's there's something a bit too clever about it, and I just didn't, didn't, couldn't do it. But there's so many classics that yeah, you hear too much. But yeah, they they, they got to come back again. <laughs> I think yeah. Blue Monday is an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's, it's, you know, it's an absolute classic. It's a a masterpiece. And it's really weird because whenever I I think of that, I think of I Feel Love as well by Donna Summer and I have them two side by side. And there's been times when if you've DJed in an indie club for 30 years, you've heard Blue Monday a lot. And if you're a massive New Order fan, which I am, I've heard it a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, if I put on New Order at home, I don't put on Blue Monday because there's many more amazing New Order records I'd much rather listen to. But then every now and again, I will play it in the club, lad, and I'll nudge the other DJ and go, fucking good, this, isn't it? And like, yeah. and it yeah, is. Yeah. And it's the same with I Feel Love. Like, every time I hear that, just that arpeggio. And, I, and I'll say the same for um, Your Love by Frankie Knuckles. It's just like, when I hear them, long electronic journeys it's like when you hear it loud through a good system it's like fuck me this is yeah. really good and, and, and are, they, are the young people who come to your club are they into that as well like for them is that like timeless it's, it's yeah. weird some stuff really works and it what's interesting is like tiktok has a massive thing oh god yeah yeah because I, i'm not on tiktok i don't really do anything on it but the amount of music that like my kids listen to that that they've got through TikTok, which is great. Like, you know, however you get your music, that's that's wonderful. Um, 
but I would get asked for songs and I'll just think, why has someone asked for that? And like, and like 10 seconds of it or something. Do yeah. You? Yeah. yeah like, the, the catchy bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously that kind of ties in with what I, you know, I can never quite frame that question, which I've asked hundreds and hundreds of times. And it is like, that's what music, you know, I guess on, on that, that sort of platform and, and to that market, he's becoming just like a soundbite. And like, so I think all the time that that's going on and people are starting to really just go for them little snippets. And, and I've seen it on my, on my dance floors, like that kids go mad when you play a track for about a minute. And then a lot of the time they pull their phone out of their pocket because their attention span or their desire to look at their phone it's so strong. It's 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 quite weird, and and I think it's definitely the generation that have come clubbing post lockdown that haven't sort of grown up, uh, that had them two years of maybe turning eighteen and not experiencing clubbing. It's quite strange, quite strange. And but yeah, but I think all the time that things are going short and sandbite, it's all the more reason to enjoy Blue Monday. And and yeah. uh, and I feel love and your love and them. I am the resurrection. All of them indie songs that you've heard a million and one times that go on forever. Loaded like French Kiss by Lil Louis. French Kiss by <laughs> yeah, Lil yeah, Louis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I uh, I was DJing a retrospective thing like just up the road from me in Essex, and uh, and it, and I was just doing the first hour like really early doors, and I thought oh, I can get away with French Kiss because it's a pretty slow record. <laughs> And I put it on, and, and my friend... Uh, Did you forget what happens? <laughs> well, I, I put it on because it's a good Wii record. You can put it on and go for a Wii because, like, you've got time. And I was my, I was promoting the night my mate Justin, who knows nothing about music. Uh, and I went, Justin, I said, keep an eye on the, the, the stuff while I go for a piss. And he was like, yeah, no worries. So I've put French Kiss on. And when I got back, he was like, what the hell have you done to me? I was like, what? And he went, there's just some woman and just having a fucking orgasm and I'm just sitting here like a lemon behind the decks not knowing how to turn it off <laughs> <laughs> oh what a record what a record um has anybody else uh Steve what do you want to put in the bin something that I loved and get rid of and not want to hear again you're going back to Oasis and you're going to Wonderwall the whole that album is Fucking amazing when it came out. What's the story? You just heard it and you're like, this is fucking brilliant. Listen to it loads. Every song is a belter. And then you just hear them everywhere, constantly. I mean, it's that and Don't Look Back in Anger. Don't Look Back in Anger is a better song and they can sort of tolerate that more. But Wonderwall was just like, shut up. This is shit. I don't want to hear this again, ever. Thing. There's always that really cheesy bloke at a house party as well. Yeah. Get the guitar. You <laughs> play as Wonderwall. You're like, oh god, how awful. That's it. The ones that people can sing along. To, it's just like, oh, <laughs> fuck no. I, I, I guess that's credit to how good Noel Gallagher was at that point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, he was pretty untouchable then, wasn't he? It was, and it just everybody liked it, which is why it fucking get played everywhere. But. <laughs> Right, it's, it's it's really weird. I was listening to him talking on um, that Rock and Turs podcast, and he was talking about uh, that track, and he was saying that the 
he knows how he wants things to sound. And the drums come in kind of out of time at the beginning, or, or like on the off note, I think, or the off the beat. And and he was saying, the drummer kept saying, no, 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 that's wrong. And he was like, no, it's right. I know how I want it to sound. And it can't, And when you listen to it, you go, oh, fucking hell, yeah. Like, it's quite mad. But I remember, like, hearing that for the first time. And it it's, what's interesting is now, like, songs take longer to kind of seep into the sort of public consciousness from, from my experience. Whereas when, what was the first single off of What's the Story? Was it Some Might Say? But I yeah. know when that album come out, we played Wonderwall at the club that weekend. And by then, everybody knew all the words and was just singing that song at the top of there. It was already an anthem. You just think, how, how do you do that? That's like... And, and times change you now. I just don't think that had ever happened. I don't think maybe like fanatical fans of, of of huge, huge global artists. I don't know, but yeah, that was that, that was something. That was a good time. It was a weird time for music, but it was a, it was a. It felt like I look back now and I think it did, you know, completely smash a lot of the kind of beauty and and secretness and. Of, of the indie scene, but all of a sudden, everybody was an indie kid. Everybody loved Oasis, and then they liked Blur, and then they liked Suede and Pulp and the Cardigans, and it was like, oh my god, like this is. You've got, this you've got a club full of Ben Shermans and that. <laughs> and you literally, that's exactly what happened. Like the, the, the uh, previous to that, everybody was wearing the t-shirt that Brett's wearing now, and and had dreads, and you know, and you had goths with back combed hair. And you had, as 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 Paul said, you know, you had like psychobillies in there. And then all of a sudden, when Oasis happened, the doors got opened to the football terraces. And then all of a sudden, they come in because Oasis songs, you could sing them on a football, you know, in, in a stadium. They they're, they're made for that. They're anthemic and like, and it's. I don't even know what he's banging on about half the time, Noel Gallagher, with his, his lyrics, but it don't matter because, you know, Kevin uh, 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 agree with that because he don't listen to lyrics. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? If the songs are that good, you're just singing along with the words because it feels right. And I think that's what they've done so well. And And they never really made any qualms about that either, whereas I think, that was the difference for me. Let, let's let's talk about this. Sort of start wrapping things up while while we've we've, we've gone all over the place. But I quite like like doing that. The Blur and Oasis thing. As an Essex boy, I, I should have been Team Blur all day long. But I like both bands anyway. But for me, both were good. What's that? Both were good. That's the yeah, thing. absolutely. I, I never got the one the other. It's like they're both good. They're both good fucking great yeah. songs. A couple yeah. of shit songs, but it's like fucking both good. Yeah, and what's weird is that the the songs that the whole thing was over that country house and cigarettes and alcohol. I think no, was, roll with it. Oh, roll with it. Sorry, yeah. But two, two of the, of the worst, worst songs. songs. Like, yeah, they're pretty average, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, you know, at that point, Noel Gallagher should have just thrown out fucking a B side like Acquiesce on Masterplan because that was better than Roll with it. But, really, uh, really Columbia. Yeah, or Columbia. Like, oh, what a tune. Well, that Slide Away was never a single, and that's that one of the best songs on that album, if not the best song. That's my favourite Oasis song. Supersonic was a fucking banger. That was that was never as near as big as the others on that album. Yeah. 
But I don't think, I don't think, um, by the way, before we move on, I am just going to, I've got to get this in the bin because I fucking hate it. Dance, <laughs> dance, dancing in the Moonlight by Top Loader. I don't even want to talk about it. It's oh, definitely. Yeah. Right, it's just in the bin. But I just, Did you I ever think, like it? I know. I, I don't even want to talk about it. But I don't think, I'm not even sure like an Oasis or a Blur would make it mainstream anymore because I just don't think the music scene's the same because if you think back then, I think about this a lot, I talk about this a lot, the music that we used to listen to was curated by the record labels. And there were, so it was a very narrow amount of music, but it was quite a diverse kind of music. You could only buy records. There was no downloads. There was no, no Spotify. So, you know, the record labels basically picked who we were going to listen to. And we listened to them. If you think now there's so much music, it's so you can, anyone can just release a tune onto Spotify and there's so much great music, but the tribes will know the great music, but it never make the mainstream because there is no mainstream anymore. The mainstream is the stuff we were talking about earlier. So like good example, I'm really into the national, the national I'm going to see in a couple of months time. They sold out Ali Pali, Ali Pali in 10 minutes and then sold a second night out. And yet most people I speak to will have never heard of the national. So it's just, they can, you get huge bands now, but your average guy on the street wouldn't know who they are because it just, it, it just doesn't work like that anymore. So I'm not even sure Oasis would have been, would have cut through in the same way. I think back then, maybe there was so much where you just relied on, on that, they had the monopoly on it labels, didn't they? They controlled mm. the radio, they controlled Top of the Pops and MTV. And, and, and aside from clubs, like that was where you, where you got everything. You know, if Joe Wiley, played your track on the evening session you know you'd probably get a record deal and which is which is crazy you know and look at i mean you, you know uh, uh, uh our pal scroobius pip one play on radio one and the labels were throwing themselves at him and you know that that's the power of that and i think now you, you get even if you got on like the sort of the, the c listing on radio one I don't think it would necessarily get you a record deal. Um, I, I think, it, you know, it, it is, it's out of their control now. Yes, they're fighting over getting on Spotify playlists and things like that. But and unless you're spending huge amounts of money, like George Ezra's label, like mm-hmm. making sure that you're everywhere, you're on fucking Graham Norton and you're on all of these things. But how much of that is going to keep on? Because... The, the, the younger generations, they're not watching stuff like that. They're not, you know, their whole world is, is is TikTok, YouTube, and I'm aware I'm sounding like such a granddad here. But um, but but it is, and I, and I just, part of me thinks that that's really, really punk and exciting that you're not being fed, you know, uh, major labels going, this is what you're meant to like. I do love the fact that, you know, kids can go and source their, their own stuff and 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 it also enables young artists to because if you look at like Oasis, they released an album. Like like how many artists now like even release albums? They just release singles now on Spotify and and they and still think, do. They still do. I think a lot of it these like days the is on that do of course. Yeah, like, but even smaller bands. So I went to see a band a couple of weeks ago called Kid Capici. I don't know if anyone's heard of Kid Capici. They've been going a long time. Uh, not sure that that long. Two, two records I think they've got but that two two albums but I think we went to the gig and that was at Coco um formerly Camden Palace where I used to go jungle raves um so and they were like 
I don't know, whatever it holds, 1,500 people in there. And Reese, my stepson, who's kind of a bit of a budding pop star, but he's trying to sort of cross over now. He's bought, him, bought himself a bass guitar and he's getting into that now. But he's like, well, he's at the gig. He's gone, wow, these guys have filled this venue, but they've only got 5,000 followers. I was like, what, who gives a fuck, you know? But that's how the youth kind of, that's how they value success. It's like, oh, wow. Like I'll say, this band shit. He's going, yeah, but they've got 250,000 followers. And, you know, so that's how they, that's how the music that's how they they build their fan base now is on Insta, and, and that's how the, that's what the labels look at. They look at yeah. like the size of your social media for them. They look at how many Shazam hits you're getting, yeah. like, which is, I, I, I guess it's people voting with their their thumbs. But the the day of, I think it's a real shame that that there's probably some incredible artists that aren't tech savvy that have got these demo tapes that they've recorded that are just phenomenal, and we're not getting a chance because. I guess I, I don't know how many people used to actually sit. You know, we used to send our demos everywhere, and did they ever get listened to? I don't know, but I wonder. I wonder how it is now. And like, you know, if you've got this, you've got this amazing bit of music, but you're not particularly sociable people. You're not popular people. You can't drag people along to gigs, like, and then all of a sudden you're not bringing anyone to show. So promoters ain't going to put you on because promoters essentially are trying to pay their bills. Uh, it's quite quite worrying, like. But I don't know. There must be loads of stuff going on that we're all too too old yeah. to know about. There is. I mean, that's a, a, a you know. You go to festivals. That's where you can really find the bands that are making it. You go to different stages and you see who's got the biggest following, yeah. and and that's where they get new following. You know, festivals are huge. I think, and there's so many of them now. But when my, my uh, Reese was trying to think of a new name for this new band, and I I sort of came up with saying it, it was it was like a word. The word regal spelt slightly different. He said, "I said that's what cool bands do. They have words spelt quite." He's gone, "No, no, no, you can't do that because if you shout out your name of your band while you're playing, they've got to be able to go find you on Insta. If you make it too difficult for them to find you, that's it. You've lost the opportunity." So the way they're thinking about it is just completely different to how it would have been thought up before. That's that's really interesting. That's something that uh, Jason Perry from the band A will tell me every time <laughs> I see him. They thought they had the best idea ever, but now you can't find them on anything. No, it's really hard. It's really no, hard I'm to find. Of the, the, and used to, when streaming first came out, you try to find the the. It was just like <laughs> they have to type some names in and then try to go the artist. Oh. Impossible. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, well, look, let's let's start to. To, to wrap it up because we've got can, out I, can I just uh, chuck um, Sweet Caroline in the bin before we do because that, oh, that's you know what mate because like, <laughs> that's been doing me head in for the last three or four years that's what everything <laughs> do you know what? It, it, it's really weird I, I could not agree more with that and I, I love a bit of Neil Diamond and I used to love Sweet yeah. Caroline but now I probably did about quite a while ago but recently it's just whenever you hear it you just see drunk blokes doing that and you know they're going to play Don't Look Back in Anger just after that as well. <laughs> Chances are you're going to get Mr. Brightside as well. well we could do a whole uh, thing on wedding songs to go in. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some good wedding songs, though. Love Really Hurts yeah. About You by Billy Ocean. That's never going in there. That's just too good. Um, oh, any Stevie Wonder. Yeah, Superstition. That can't go in there. Yeah, right. Can't. Uh, uh but yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean about Sweet Caroline, and it seems to be everywhere now. Like, I went to watch the UFC, and and I, like literally they just played, and the whole of the O2 was singing it, and I was just thinking, God, this is poxy. 
But uh, but yeah, yeah, we can definitely bin Sweet Caroline. That's a great show. Anybody else want to just vent before we go? Anyone else got anything else they want to throw in? I'm going to throw my favourite game by uh, the Cardigans in there as well. I never want to hear that. I love the Cardigans. I absolutely love them. Uh, And I I was lucky. Never my favourite song of theirs either. Even at the time, it was never my favourite. What's that? It was never my favourite song of theirs at the time. Even It was all right, but wasn't it? I I saw them at Dingwalls, their first UK show. Um, I don't even know if I was listening, but I was looking at Nina, just thinking, oh, my God. Uh, she was absolutely ridiculously beautiful. And that was when it was Carnival and Rise and Shine and Sick and Tired. And it was this beautiful retro twee pop. And it was amazing. And then they come back with, was my favourite game the first track of the second album? I'm not sure. But they obviously then blew up then with that and obviously Loveful uh, and and stuff like that. But favourite game? For me, that uh, that era of indie that goes in the bin with um, Bohemian Like You by the Dandy Warhols. I never want to hear that again, and I like the Dandy Warhols. <laughs> Anyone else? We're wrapping it up. Who else wants to throw something in? We done. Good. All right. Well, I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 